the thing about truth is that even when it stares you right in the eyes, you still have to choose to believe it. Hello and welcome to the Love Key Church message of the week. Love Key Church is a local expression of a part of the body of Christ with a focus on creating a place, opportunity and atmosphere through worship music and the word where people can encounter God, align with his purposes, reign in life and help others to do the same. My name is Heinz Winkler and together with my wife Valetta and our four children, we recently launched Love Key Church right here in Somerset West. Enjoy the message. Please remember to like, follow and subscribe and to share this with other people if you find that it is uplifting, encouraging and inspiring to you. Thank you so much. God bless you as you listen to this word. Yo, I don't know about you, but I had a great time in worship. Is that good? God is good. Hallelujah. I have some good news for you. He is risen. He is risen. Turn to someone and say, Jesus is risen. Amen. I, um, I once ha- had friends that were in the, in the Orthodox Greek church. And they have many interesting traditions. But the one that I really actually liked was on, on Easter Sunday, when they greet each other, they don't say hello. They say, he is risen. In Greek, that's how they greet each other that whole day. When they, whoever they see, they say, he is risen. He is risen. And then there's this excitement in the air. It's really something special. So I want to, we can do that as well. Hij het opgestaan. Hij het waarlijk opgestaan. Broers and sisters. Met blije galme. It's good to be alive. Where are you? I just want to say, what's happening here today, you, you, you're witnessing a miracle. You're witnessing God doing something. And people stepping out in obedience. It is amazing. It is really amazing. When I tell people that we had over 40 people and then over 50 people, they're like, what? Wow. How did you do that? Oh, I didn't do it. It's like... I, I told God, he must build this church he called me to build. I will, I will show up and be obedient. And it's amazing to see what is happening. So I thank you. Thank you for being here. We love you guys. We really do. And we appreciate you being here. Thank you so much. The reason we do this in English, if you may be wondering, is because we want to reach as many people as possible. Um, but we are Afrikaans. Um, and we will chat to you in Afrikaans one-on-one. But we went with the messages and with our communications, we want to try and reach as many people as possible. So that's the only reason why. Okay. He is risen. Or is he? What do you truly believe? What do you truly believe? And I, asked, I chose those words very carefully. On Friday, if you were here or listened online, you may have... Notice that we had the question, what is truth? For which Pontius Pilate said to Jesus in their conversation. When Jesus told them, I came to reveal the truth. Pontius Pilate said, what is truth? Qui es veritas in Latin. And we saw that Jesus is the truth. And that he came to reveal the truth. But the thing about truth is that even when it stares you right in the eyes, you still have to choose to believe it before that truth 
actually can work in your life. Do you agree with that? If you don't agree, you're wrong. <laughs> I'm just kidding a little. Okay. When we read the different versions of the empty tomb moment, of the risen moment in the different gospels, we see many similarities. That's a very thin wall right there. We see many similarities and also some interesting differences between the way they are telling these, the story. For example, I just had to highlight this one, this one bit of story, which I really enjoyed. When you read John's telling of the story, it sounds a little bit like when my boys would retell a story of who came first. <laughs> they would fight. About, now listen, this is John. He's like, I've got my own whole book that I'm going to write. And he says in John 20 from verse 3 to 8, listen to this. Peter therefore went out and the other disciple and we, uh, uh, and the other disciple and were going to the tomb. So they both ran together and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. <laughs> and he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen cloths lying there, yet he did not go in. Then Simon and Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb, and he saw the linen cloths lying there, and, and the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded together in place by itself. Then the other disciple, who came to the tomb first, <laughs> went in also, and he saw and believed. In, in, in none of the other Gospels do you hear that John went to the tomb except in his version, and he came first, and he wants you to know that. It's very important. Anyway, so they, I love it. There's some humor. There's some real people, you know, going through this massive moment in real ways, and I just love reading stuff like that. Anyway, we, we hear a slightly different slant in each of the Gospels, but the main facts seem to be the same and to line up. Mary and some other women, some of them named Mary, and the other Mary, some of them add another woman that also was there. Um, it, it talks about them going to, to bring um, oils and, and myrrh, and they wanted to embalm Jesus. Um, and then Mary, we know that Mary, one of the gospels says Mary and one of the other or two of the other had an encounter with the resurrected Jesus. And he told her to go and tell the others. Peter saw the empty tomb for himself, but the angels told the woman that he is risen. Peter didn't see the angels. The women saw the angels sitting inside the tomb and told her, them to go and tell the men. Now, when you know a little bit about the history of that time, you'll know that in that culture, the word of a woman didn't mean much. Meaning that if you would tell facts, men would probably not believe you unless a man told them the same facts. Now, it's interesting to note that the history of the risen Christ was first given, the moment was first given to women. Because God knows that this was the culture. So why did he give it to women to tell if he knew that in the culture they may not believe him? Maybe it's because that's exactly why people would sit up and take a notice and go, wow, did women hear it the first time? That's interesting. It's just an interesting side note. They went and told the disciples, but they did not believe. They walked with Jesus. He told them what would happen. They heard the scriptures and the prophets predicting what would happen. 
All but John ran away when things got hairy in the, in the crucifixion moment. When they captured Jesus, they split. They ran away. Peter denied him three times. And so, something, something which was also what Jesus predicted. But they still did not believe Jesus was resurrected. Some believed the tomb was empty, but they struggled really to believe that Jesus was alive when walking around. If you think about the fact that our whole faith hinges on the resurrection and the first witnesses struggled with this, we have to sit up and take notice. I want to read you a few scriptures from the different gospels where we see this doubt, this struggle to believe. Matthew 28 verse 17. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but doubted. Did you know this is the verse before the very famous Great Commission? Right before Jesus says to them, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, the Bible admits some of them doubted. They were standing there. He was about to ascend into heaven. He's giving them the mission to change the world. And some of them are going there like, eh, I don't know. Right? Mark 16, verse 9 to 14. Now when he rose early the first day of the week, the Sunday, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him as they mourned and wept. They were still crying that Jesus had died. And when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they did not believe. After that, he appeared in another form to two of them as they walked and went to the country. I'm going to tell that story in detail just now. The Emmaus, the guys who went to Emmaus. As they walked and went into the country, and they went and told it to the rest, but they did not believe them either. Later, he appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table, and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. I think Jesus was testing them. Because they were going to have to go out and tell people what they saw. Because, but if they don't even believe the ones they know best would come to them with this news and they don't believe, I think Jesus was like, seriously, I'm going to send you out into the world and you need to tell everyone about this. You need to kind of believe each other and what I told you. I like the way Mark put this. He's like very straight. He rebuked them for not believing. Luke 24, 6 to 11. I love this. He is not here, but is risen. <laughs> Remember how he spoke to you? Now, this is the angel reminding them. Remember how he spoke to you? And when he was still in Galilee saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again. The angel is like, Hello, where have you been? You've not been paying attention in class. And they remembered his words. The angels reminded them. They remembered his words. Then they returned from the tomb and told all these things to the eleven. Once again, the woman telling it to the eleven and to all the rest. Can any of the children tell me why there's only eleven? Any of the kids? Yes. What for? He betrayed Jesus. Yes. Well done. I did not plant him there, but it is my son. <laughs> 
They turned, it went to the 11. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. And their words seemed to them, the apostles, like idle tales. So they did not believe them. John 20, from verse 25 to 29. The other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. So he said to them, This is now to Thomas, unbelieving Thomas. Thomas says, Unless I see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of, his, of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside the room, and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst of them. And he said, Peace be to you. Then he said to Thomas, because he knew about his unbelief, reach your finger in here and look at my hands and reach your hand in here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Good news is heard, passed along, but not believed. Good news, the truth, is passed along, but not believed. They were told by Jesus. They read it in the scriptures and the prophets, and of, and the prophets of old predicted it, but they still did not believe. They were still looking at what? Physical circumstances. Their experience. The Romans are going to catch us, guys. Let's hide away. That's what they were doing. All of us bang. Als een paar Afrikaanse woorden wat ik voor het kan zetten. Maar dat was baie bang. They were not looking at the situation through God's eyes. They were not looking with the eyes that Jesus was trying to open up for them. Not yet. I want us to look a bit more deeply into two moments from which I believe God wants to teach us something very important. This, this next bit is, a bit is quite a long piece of scripture, but I need you to focus because what happens here is really significant and very important. Luke 24 from verse 19 to 27, and then we're going to jump to verse 30 to 32. And he said to them, what things? Now this, Jesus just came up to the, in Afrikaans, I said, the Emmaus gangers. The guys on their way to Emmaus, two of the disciples, they're on their way walking, and they're talking about what happened with Jesus and the crucifixion. And Jesus comes up to them, and he's playing a little dumb. He's going, what things are you talking about? So they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was, a pro who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all people, and how the chief priests and rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. And then they said, but we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things have happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But they did not see. They did not see what? Jesus himself. Then Jesus said to them, 
Oh, foolish ones. And slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And then, listen to this. He has a whole sermon for them. Ready. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Man, imagine being in that conversation. Now, what happens is, they get to a town. Jesus makes as if he's going further. And they said, no, 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 come with us. They invite him in. And, they, and then it says, now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, that he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to him. Then their eyes were opened. And they knew him. And he vanished from their sight. <laughs> And they said to one another, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us on the road? And while he opened the scriptures to us? I'm going to get back to that. The next moment is with Mary, Mary Magdalene, out of whom he drove seven demons. The Bible keeps referring to that. John 20 from verse 14. Now when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. And did not know it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Almost sounds like the beginning of a song. <laughs> she, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, let, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him, Rabboni, teacher. Okay, let's get into these pieces of scripture. I think some of you already, the lights are going on, but let's see what happens. The Emmaus disciples were disappointed. They had lost hope. They had hoped for one thing, something else happened. The promise of the Messiah, the prophetic words that they have heard and held dear had not come to pass the way they wanted it to come to pass. The way they were expecting it to come to pass. Which led to disappointment and hopelessness. They thought this Jesus who had done these miracles and had such a huge following is the one. But when he died on a cross and three days later was still in the grave, as far as they knew, even though people told him he's not there anymore, they didn't believe. They believed he couldn't be the Messiah because he's still in the grave. But someone has already told them he's not there. Jesus playing dumb gets them to say what's going on in their minds and hearts. He gets them to reveal what they're thinking and what they're going through. And when they say these things, he rebukes them. And he doesn't leave it there. He doesn't just rebuke them and leave them. He tells them why they're wrong and why they should be Getting back into alignment. What are they having? An encounter with God. What is he doing? Aligning them with his purposes. But even then, they still didn't know it was him. He was going to walk on, but they did invite him to lodge with them. Later, we see they said something stirred in their hearts, hearing him expound on the scriptures and prophets. That, that must have, that moment where he was teaching them. 
And they said, wow, didn't you feel something tug at your heart? That moment must have made them think, we, sh- we can't let this guy go yet. He- we can't let him go to the next town. Let's-, let's invite him for dinner. Let's invite him into our lodging. It's also, I believe, what Jesus was watching out for. Are they hungry for me? Are they hungry to get to know me better? Are they hungry for more of the word? And you can know, all there is to know about your favorite celebrity. You can think of someone that's like your favorite celebrity right now. Just think about it. Who's that person? And you probably know a lot of facts about that person, whether it's a singer or an actor or someone on a reality show. Um, you, you know facts about that person. But most of you have not yet met that celebrity in person. And most of you have not gotten to know them on a personal level. Would you agree? Okay. <laughs> One of you. Thank you. As a 16-year-old boy, I thought I knew God. But I only knew facts about him and his son. I heard scripture I heard the prophets. I heard a lot of things from the Bible. But it was without revelation. It was without impartation. And it was without the Holy Spirit's leading. But God had a plan for my life as he does with your life. And one fateful Saturday night on a camp, I had an encounter with the living God. And this person that seemed far off, that I knew some facts about, became a person that I got to know intimately. And the journey of getting to know him started. I believe this is something of what we're seeing here with these Emmaus guys. Their eyes were open to who Jesus really was when he broke the bread and gave it to them. On the road, they didn't get it. When they got to the town, they didn't still get it. But they knew, we can't let him go just yet. And they invited him in. Don't you think this is quite an amazing moment? The way Jesus repeats an action he just did a few days ago. With the last supper, before he died on a cross, what did he do? He broke bread. And what did he say to them? This is my body. This is my body. Eat it. So that you can have a part of me and who I am and what I'm doing and what I'm all about. And this is the wine. But then after he did that, he said to them in Matthew 26, 29, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. That's why with these guys, he's only breaking the bread. He's not giving them wine. Do you notice that? He said that he will not enjoy the fruit of the vine until the time of his father comes and he can enjoy it with the saints. So he breaks the bread. He shares the bread that does what? Represents his body. But what does it also represent? It represents what had just happened. His body was broken for them. The scriptures, the prophets that he had just expounded on was being fulfilled in their midst. It represents the word of God being broken open. John 1, 
The Word was, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was God. The Word was with God. And then the Word became flesh and dwelt among men. So what is he doing here? He's doing so much at the same time, I think. It represents him himself. What is he doing? He broke himself, the truth, open to the, these guys going to Emma's. One moment ago, they had no idea who was walking with them. They just thought it was some clueless passerby. Then he expounds on the scriptures and they go, whoa, what is happening in my heart right now? And they said, no, we need to, get, we need to hear more. And then they heard more. And then as he broke the bread in their presence, they knew it was him. They went from knowing some facts, being disappointed by looking at things through their own eyes, their own circumstances, getting stuck with that, confronted with the truth, but ignoring the truth. What are they saying? My circumstances are louder than the truth. And we have to ask ourselves, what is louder in my life right now? The circumstances I'm in or the truth of the word of God and the power of the resurrected Christ? Now they go to all the others and tell them. And as they are telling them, we read that scripture earlier, he suddenly appears and says, peace be with you. If I was one of the emails guys, I would have gone, I knew it, I knew it before you, look, he's here. Like, we just had a whole conversation. Let's get into Mary's moment. I don't know about you, but I've had many moments in my life where I'm so task-oriented that I easily get thrown by circumstances or I can miss people who are right in front of me. I can even hurt people's feelings. I've done that. Because I'm focused. I want to get this done. Or I'm worried about something. Or like, and I would just run past people and ignore their emotions. Sometimes not greet them. And then they would be offended or whatever. I see a little bit of something of this in Mary here. She's a woman on a mission. I need to find my Lord. Someone took him. <laughs> Can you just put yourself on her feet for a moment. She came here with oil to embalm her Lord, and he's gone. That is what's her circumstances right now. And she's looking at that. And what is it doing? It's clouding her judgment. She obviously didn't know that Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus had already embalmed Jesus. She wouldn't have known because they did it in secret. But the point is, she came to embalm him. What does that mean? She believed he was dead. It was the third day. She also knew the scriptures. She also hung out with Jesus. She also knew. But she didn't believe. Otherwise, she wouldn't have come with the oil. Do you see that? Imagine the Bible said something like she came with food. Because she wanted to give him something to eat because he must be hungry and thirsty. Because she knew he would be up. But why do we laugh at that? And then she does have this encounter with Jesus 
So, sorry, let me just get... Um, okay, they and the disciples, the women and the disciples who were hiding away, by the way, did not believe that he had risen. He had to appear to them himself, especially Thomas, before they believed and it settled in. But there's a beautiful thing that happens here with Mary. Jesus speaks to Mary and in her busyness, in her task-orientedness, in her mission to find the Lord, she misses the Lord who's right in front of her because she's expecting a dead body. But instead, she's talking to the risen Christ. She mistakes him for a gardener. Lacquer. How embarrassing is that for her? I'm kidding. But listen, what happens next is so beautiful. He first asks her, why are you weeping? What are you seeking? And then she says it, and then he goes, he just says her name. He goes, Mary. And in that moment, the lights go on. It's like when he broke the bread for the guys in Emma. It's like, oh my word, it's you, Jesus. The way he said her name, the fact that he knew her name, that he said her name, the way he must have said her name with so much love, so much authority, so much of his presence, she knew immediately, deep down, this is my Lord who I thought was dead. Come on, this is amazing. This is powerful. This is beautiful. He knows your name. He knows it. He knows how many hair there are on your head. Even if it's not that many anymore. You're the apple of his eye. You were fearfully and wonderfully made in your mother's womb. Here's the question though. When he calls you by your name. Will you believe? When he calls you by your name, will you snap out of your busyness, your search, your plan to prove something? Will you snap out of your addictive habits? The things that you try to use to numb the circumstances of your life. But he's calling your name to call you out of that situation, to call you out of that weakness, to call you out of that sin. Into the marvelous light that He is. This morning we have a beautiful invitation from Jesus Himself. He is calling each and every one of us by name. And He wants to invite you to break bread with you. To break Himself open to you. Will you come? Will you believe? And if you believe, will you act according to that belief? Because that is the next step. Step one is hearing the truth. Step two is deciding whether you believe that truth. And step three is the question whether you'll be obedient in line with the truth. I want to give us a moment to reflect and respond over these scriptures. Do you see maybe a little bit of yourself in Mary? Do you see maybe a little bit of yourself in these Emmaus guys? What is 
Ask God, ask Holy Spirit right now, what circumstance or what way that you're thinking or looking at things right now is causing you to miss the truth that's right in front of you, is causing you to miss Jesus who is right in front of you. What is that thing? What is that thing? Let's all close our eyes and just listen for a moment to what Jesus is saying to us. The first thing that I, that I want us to know, and this, this is not a church where you'll get your ears. <laughs> What's the living? They won't always be soothing words. But we have to look at what Jesus is doing here, and he rebukes unbelief. He rebukes it. So if, if we realize we have unbelief in a certain area, or we've given up hope, or our expectations have not been met, and therefore I'm disappointed in God, we may need to repent right now. Say, Jesus, I'm sorry. I lay down my expectations and I choose to trust you. I choose to not lean on my understanding, but in all my ways to trust you. The good news and the overwhelming news is that despite the fact that he knows some of these disciples doubted, didn't believe, he puts the biggest commission of the world into their hands. That means two things. We need to always be growing closer to Him to hear Him call our name clearer and break more bread with Him. And two, the good news, even if we don't have our belief lined up perfectly, he can still send us out to do the Great Commission because He has given us His Helper, the Holy Spirit, to lead us and strengthen us along the way. If any of us realize, Yo, I may be guilty of unbelief in this area of my life, or even you struggle maybe even with the thing we are celebrating today, did Jesus really rise from the dead? I want to tell you that this is pivotal to our belief as Christians. If you struggle believing this, that's step one, is bringing that to God and saying, Lord, help me to believe this. I want to believe, I choose to believe this. Because if you don't believe in the resurrected Christ, then everything else means nothing. Paul writes about this at length in Romans when he argues with the Jews and tells them, if you don't believe in the resurrection, then everything we're doing is, is useless. This is where it starts. The fact that Jesus came, he died for our sins. He defeated death. He defeated the devil. He rose from death and he set us free. And through his resurrection power, we have access to God, access to eternal life, access to abundant life. And we can have heaven on earth right now. Not in our circumstances, but in our spirit being connected with the one who made us. And that is what we're being invited to. We're being invited to break bread with the one who called us by name. 
Is He calling you today? Is He saying your name the way He said Mary's name? Listen. Listen. He is inviting you to read your Bible, the Word of God, the bread of life with Him so that He can break it open for you in those intimate times with Him. Because when the Word is broken open for you, the revelation will change your life. It will change the course of your life when you align with His purposes. I want to ask you to just give these things that stand in the way to Jesus right now. I want to invite you to take a leap of faith and believe Jesus is the Christ. He is the resurrection. And when you give your life to Him, you die, your old self dies with Him and is raised with Him. That's what the Word tells us. That's what salvation means is accepting the truth of who He is and what He did. It's not going to church. It's not just believing that He exists. The devil believes He exists and the demons tremble because they believe He exists. The question is whether you take a chance and step into relationship with Him. If you've never done that before, those who are online, those who are here, with every eye closed, I want to give you a chance to respond and say, yes, Jesus, I want to give my life to you. If that's you this morning, just raise your hand or type in a comment, this is me, this is me. If you're finding today that I realize I don't believe as I should believe, I'm not walking in the fullness of what God has for me. Maybe you've backslidden in an area. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand as well. Just show that I want to go deeper. I want to go further. I want to believe despite my circumstances. If that's you, just raise your hand as well. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. All right, we're going to pray together. I want you to pray after me. Lord Jesus, today I choose to do your will. Lord, forgive me of my unbelief. Forgive me of my sins. Thank you for dying on the cross so that my sins are forgiven. I accept that, Lord. I die to my old self and I come alive in you. Thank you, Jesus, that you rose from the death. Thank you, Jesus, that I can have life in you. Lord, I choose to do life your way from this moment on. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Love Key Church message of the week. We trust that you found that encouraging, inspiring, hopefully challenging in a good way and that you will come back next week to listen again. Please remember to like, follow, and subscribe, and to share this with other people if you find that it is uplifting, encouraging, and inspiring to you. May God bless you and keep you and make His face shine upon you and your family. Bye-bye.